0: Amen, amen, amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 5. So exciting, so exciting. Jeremiah chapter 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 5 is going to be our text for today. What will you do in the end? Look at your neighbor and say, what will you do in the end? There is going to be an end. It's not going to go on forever as it is. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that people will say in the last days, where is this promise of his coming? For things have continued as they are since the beginning. And they do this ignorantly on purpose, willingly ignorant, forgetting that God once judged the earth through water, and now He's going to judge the earth through fire. And I don't know about you, but I feel as a Christian that that's actually a sign, that it's a sign to me that people are ignoring the signs, that cold-heartedness in the end times is actually a sign of the end times. How many believe that? How many believe that an apostate church or backsliding or uh, compromised ministries is a sign of the end time? And so we ought not to think it's strange that in these end times we are seeing hard hearts in the church, hard hearts in the world. We're seeing leadership turn away from God. We're seeing Christian denominations apostatize and change the fundamental doctrines of morality and so forth. And so we shouldn't see that as a, a discouragement to Christ coming back. We should actually see that as an encouragement, knowing that these things must come to pass. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to see revival. Somebody say revival. That doesn't mean that we won't see the church get on fire for Jesus. During this season, I'm more on fire for Jesus than I've ever been before. I feel like I'm running with a team of of lions who are more on fire than they've ever been before. Amen? And I believe it's just like the early church. I mean, we always pray, God, do it again like you did in the book of Acts. Okay, well, get ready for persecution to break out. Get ready for backsliders to die during the offering time because they've lied. Uh, Get ready for uh, church leaders to start apostatizing and breaking off churches. Get ready for all that, but that is a part of revival. You see, for things to remain the same is not revival. Revival stirs things up. Revival draws lines in the sand. And God is all about ultimatums. As I've said before, and I hope that it's getting, uh, you know, ingrained into you, Jesus is always making ultimatums, even in the most popular verse, the one that everybody loves in the whole Bible, it comes with an ultimatum. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not, what, perish but have eternal life. So right there. And that powerful, loving scripture is an ultimatum. If you do not believe in Christ, you're going to perish. And so let's look to Jeremiah chapter 5. I pray that during this time we find comfort in the prophets who face similar times that uh, prophets like Jeremiah, Ezekiel would come alongside of us and encourage us because judgment is coming. We know God is going to judge the earth. We know that God is already judging his church, and the Bible says that it starts with the church, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, how much so more the lost uh, to be damned and to be judged, and the Bible talks about that it is through suffering and through conflict that the righteous will come into the the kingdom. And so when we look to Jeremiah, his situation was a little bit different, but it was still judgment. Everybody say judgment. Habakkuk talked about in the midst of your wrath, remember, your mercies and bring forth revival. And so oftentimes, if you look through history, even during the times of the prophets, uh, what we would consider revival opportunities, revival moments, were coming during the times or right before or right after judgment. So judgment, believe it or not, is actually central to what God is doing with revival. When we talk about, just say, in the last couple uh, of years what's been going on in our nation. This is now becoming similar to what has happened in other nations before they had revival. Uh, Take, for example, China. China, before it became communist, was very much a lukewarm nation. The church was not growing very much. But when China became communist, the communist movement forced the church to make a decision. Whose side are you on? They allowed a state church to be uh, in their country. But then the underground church arose out of that, resisted that state church, and then China China became the fastest growing church in the world at that time, and now they say there's upwards of 100 million believers in China right now in the underground church movement. Isn't that amazing? And it's the same thing right now they're saying in Iran. Iran used to have somewhat uh, freedom like uh, Egypt does or Turkey. But then Iran got ran by the Muslims. And then they wanted to run everybody out. And what happened was they suppressed the Christian. And so those traditional kind of orthodox type Christians began to get oppressed. And then the spirit of revival began to move up in some of them. And they began to preach and go out to their marketplaces. And now they say the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. That Iran is a fast-growing church movement, not to mention the other African nations. Nigeria was being overrun by the Muslims, and the Christians were being oppressed. And through the preaching of the gospel, we saw in one generation Islam get pushed back and Christianity arise in a nation like uh, Nigeria. And so right now, we may not want to be in these times We may not want to be alive during such a pivotal time of God's judgment upon the earth and upon even our nation, because that's what we're seeing in our young people uh, calling out for socialism and all that. Is we're seeing God's judgment being released. God's judgment is seen in people's freedom to do wickedness and the consequences that come alongside of that. God's judgment is not always a shaking of the earth. Uh, You know, sometimes people look to the fires or to earthquakes and they say that's God's judgment. I'm. really skeptical of that because I would like to see, you know, I would like to see a flood hit uh, Las, uh, Las Vegas to convince me of God's judgment. You know, if a flood hit Las Vegas, then I would know God was up to something. A flood hitting Miami or New Orleans, I'm like, that happens every day of the week. Are you listening? Uh, a forest fire in Chicago would convince me, you know, another Chicago fire something might convince me God is dealing with us, not a place that has a bunch of dry wood. So don't be superstitious as you're looking for God's judgments. Are you with me, But I would say a global pandemic war, at least one that is thought to be one, that causes the nation to shut down is a form of God's judgment. I believe seeing our entertainers and uh, the sports stars that we see being, you know, uh, basically being exposed like Ellen and all of the things going on, that's part of God's judgment. I believe that we see in the, in the government the exposing of the leaders there and the corruption. I believe that's part of God's judgment. Well, when we look to Jeremiah, it's a similar thing. And what's literally going to happen is they're going to be invaded by another nation as God's discipline, as God's punishment. So when we look to Jeremiah chapter 5, I want you to see yourself in the story. But let's also understand where they were, uh, you know, literally. They were literally so wicked as a nation that God said, I am now going to use an even more wicked nation to invade you and take you over. Is that a possibility still even for us here in good old, good old America? Yes. What if God used China to discipline America? We would say, oh, that's not fair. China's worse than us. Well, Babylon was worse than Israel. But God used Babylon to discipline Israel. Are you uh, promised to keep having the American dream in this Bible? Does this Bible promise us that America will be here until Christ comes back? As a matter of fact, ask a prophecy expert, where's America in the Bible? And then watch them blush a little bit or just flat out tell you, I have no idea where we are. All I know is at some point we're united with the Antichrist. I don't know how we go from where we are now to there, most prophecy experts will tell you, but somehow it happens, we join with him as a nation. Does it come through uh, us being invaded, or what if uh, another civil war happens? Of course that would be treacherous, we wouldn't want that, that would be devastating, no one here wants such a thing, but could you see, maybe in the next 10 to 15 years, as the socialists, as the black-fisted regiment continues to oppress people, that after a while, a certain uh, fraction of Americans get sick of it, and then they start fighting in the streets, and urban warfare breaks out, and then you have to choose what side you're on, and instead of a civil war uh, based upon whether or not you're in a south or a northern part of a country, it's based on your ideology. How far do you think we are from that? I mean, just look at the new TV shows coming out. I'm sure they're filming something about that right now because it's so realistic. It can happen. Urban warfare. You know, it's not like we're going to drop a nuke on ourselves and settle the problem. Urban warfare could break out in our cities, in our countrysides, and there could be civil war, just looking at what's going on right now. So when we see God's judgment come into this nation, I don't know what it's going to look like, but we need to get right or we're going to get judged. And I do believe that it's already being revealed. And when it came to Israel being judged by another nation, it was severe. It caused great famines. It got so bad that they, uh, not that God wanted them to, but God allowed it to get so bad that when they were starving, people ate each other, that mothers ate their children. And this was to be a sign of how gross and wicked the people had become, that they would have no no, no dignity for life. Instead of just dying and saying, I can't live anymore, they would eat their own children. And these were the curses that came upon the nation of Israel. If Here's my point in an introduction before we get to the text. If God could allow such things to happen... To Israel, could he allow such things to happen to America? Is there anything written in this book that says, I promise you, you'll never become a China. I promise you, you'll never become an African nation. I promise you, you'll never become a, a Cuba. I promise you. Is there anything here? No. The nation that humbles itself is promised to be blessed, right? In Chronicles, as, as, as God taught them, that if you humble yourselves and pray, seek my face and, you know, then I'll hear from heaven. But that's to people who do that. If you don't do the praying and the seeking, there's no promise for you. Can I hear an amen? I know it may not be a shouting message, but I need you to hear it. Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 1, go up and down the streets of Jerusalem, look around and consider, search through her squares, if you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this city. God said, I'm so fed up with them, I can't even find a righteous one. Now we know God is speaking hy- hy- hyper hyperbolic here, hyper hyperbole, if I can say the word, help me. Any of my cemetery, I mean seminary professors watching us now? Hyperbole. Hyperbolic, there's the word. We know that there's more than one righteous, or at least one righteous, because Jeremiah is writing it. Jeremiah could have said back, well, what about me, God? Am I not righteous? Uh, he's also a contemporary with other prophets that are righteous. But God is speaking here in exaggerated terms to let us know how fed up he is with our behavior. God speaks this way not only to Israel, but he speaks this way to us. Don't you feel that God is looking up and down Washington, D.C. to find somebody righteous? Don't you feel that God is looking up and down Chicago right now to find somebody righteous? Where is the righteous one? Where is the righteous one? Where is the one that's after my heart, pure and holy? Where is the one upholding my word? God is saying he's looking for that person. He's looking for that group of people. Even he promised Abraham, for 10 righteous, I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that was a literal number because only Lot and his daughters were saved, and they weren't even right because they raped their father later on. God destroyed nations for a lot less than what we're doing right now. Are you listening to me, my friends? He's looking for righteous people. Are you a righteous person? He says, if you can find but one who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this city. Although they say, listen to what they say, and tell me if this doesn't sound like most TV preachers today, uh, most Christians on your job, or just in general what you're getting as a sense from the world. This is what they say. As surely as the Lord lives, still they are swearing falsely. You see, this is what they say. They are saying that as surely as the Lord lives, this is not true. God is not going to judge us. We can keep making all of our promises that we're going to live for God. We're going to do it. We're going to get it right. We're going to change. Just give us some time, God. You know, I'll go to church Sunday or next week, or I'll start after the new year, or once, you know, COVID's over, I'll come back and all of this. And, and God is saying, I see through your lies. Now the prophet begins to speak, Lord, do not your eyes look for truth. You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused correction. God, you allowed COVID to shut down everything, but they still didn't listen to you. You broke down their entertainment, their media stars. You broke down all their idols in front of them. But they still refused to repent of their wicked LGBTQ lifestyle, of their abortions, of their false religions. They made their faces harder than stone and refused to repent. Don't you see that today? A refusal to repent for sex outside of marriage. A refusal to repent of homosexuality and perversion. A refusal to repent of violence in the the music. The refusal to repent of false beliefs about God. Do you see that in your friends and neighbors right now? There are some, listen, that God is moving through. We know that revival is happening during the time of judgment. Maybe God brought you back to himself during this time. Maybe your heart got awoken. But I'm asking you, have you seen others go in the opposite direction instead of them saying, whoa, this is a wake-up call. This is the end times. These are things that the Bible talks about. No, they're actually going away from the Bible. If there was a God, why would he allow these things to happen? If there was a God, he wouldn't be so judgy, judgy, judgmental. Right? Don't be so judgy. If there was a God, he, he would want us to love whoever we can love. Love is just love. Love doesn't hurt anybody, right? They make their faces harder than stone, and they refuse to repent. The prophet says, I thought, look at the prophet here, being a little, uh, you know, socioeconomic uh, here in his thinking. He, he's, a, he's a little bit classist right here. He says, I thought those are only the poor, those are only those at the trailers or those in the hood. They are the foolish ones, for they don't know the way of the Lord. They're the ones with the meth labs. They don't know the requirements of their God. So I'll go to the leaders. I'll go to the downtown Chicago. I will go to the uh, to the high-rises and speak to them. I'll go to those folks. Surely they, come on, brother, stay with me, please. Surely they will know the way of the Lord and the requirements of their God. So I went to the hood. I didn't see no good. Come on. I, I, went, I went out around the poor, and they didn't know anything. So I go to the rich. I went to the universities. I went to the professors. I went to the, the businessmen. I went to Silicon Valley. I went over here downtown to find the leaders, the movers and shakers. They'll know the requirements of their God. But with one accord, the prophet says, they, too, had broken off the yoke and turned off the bonds. They are are torn off the bonds, rather. They are getting free from God. I can't even tell you how many times I've heard, well, I was raised like you. I was raised like that, but I don't believe that anymore. Well, thank God you were raised this way, and I feel sorry for you now. You see, when you go to, uh, you know, the world, they want you to... F- Feel bad now and then get free and feel good. You listen to them, you know, on American Idol. I've told this before, you know, America's Got Talent. They have contestants come up. They tell you the backstory. All of a sudden, a little slow music will come on as this person is dressed as a fairy, wings and makeup on, and his name is Bert. You know what I'm saying? My parents didn't love me and they didn't let me do this. I've always wanted to be effeminate and dress like a fairy and have makeup on and wear lingerie and sing my little heart out. And then it will have a backstory tears coming down his eyes. I was raised in a religious home where I was told I was sinful. I was told I was going to hell because I was attracted to my teacher named Gary or something, you know. And then I just wasn't free and I was so depressed. And then finally, my art teacher, Barbara, told me I could be whoever I wanted to be. So I went to her art room, and I said, make me look like a fairy. I've always wanted to be a singing fairy. And so she painted me up. She put on wings. She sewed together lingerie. And now I'm a singing fairy. My name is Bert, and this is what I've always wanted to be. Heidi Klum will just stand up. God bless you. I hope your parents are watching you now and listening to the crowd support you. Gary, the fairy, Gary, the fairy, we love you. Isn't that what the world does? And then it's almost like they want to drag out the parents. Have them come out all shamed and decrepit. Oh, I'm the parent who wanted to curse my children with my my old-fashioned religious beliefs. I'm such an evil, wicked person. Be free, Gary's parents. Be a fairy too. And that's the world we live in. Be free. Accept them. Call that love. What does the Bible say? They all have gone astray. They're all wicked. They think the things of God are a yoke. They think that it's bondage to serve God. But in actuality, it's freedom. We love Gary enough to say, yes, God loves you just the way that you are, but He loves you too much to let you stay that way. And if you were born that way, Gary, I got good news, you can get born again because you weren't made to be a fairy. You were made to be a Holy Ghost-filled saint of God. You were meant to be masculine. You were meant to be a father and a husband. You were meant to be a terror to the devil and a blessing to the earth and to have dominion. But yet the Earth is absorbing this theology right now. The world is believing this is the way. So therefore, a lion from the forest will come and attack them. A wolf from the desert will ravage them. A leopard will lie in wait near their towns to tear them to pieces. Any who venture out for their rebellion, uh, anyone who venture out for their rebellion is great, and their backslidings many. They don't just backslide in one way. their backslidings and many are many and slow comidias waiting to jump out. AIDS is waiting to jump out. Are you listening to me? Broken families are waiting to jump out. Poverty, depression, anxiety is waiting to jump out. All of these curses are waiting to jump out and ravage them because the devil really doesn't care about Gary, does he? The devil's just drawing you into sin so that he can win. You still lose in the end because the devil comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. It's not like he's a better version of God. It's not like he's your cool uncle. He's the one that wants to destroy you. And he's bringing you out through your own sin. Hath God said to get you to question the things of God so you can turn away from God and then suffer like him. Because the Bible says in the end. Somebody say in the end. We're getting there because the question to you will be, what will you do in the end? But in the end, the Bible says, those who have not done the will of God will be cast into the lake of fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. So before, listen to me, my friends, before we were told about heaven and hell, we we were made already just for glory. We weren't meant to be put into ultimatums in that sense. We weren't made to, to go to hell. We were made for eternity on earth with with Jesus. We were never even meant to be disembodied, separated from our body. So before even our fall, the Bible says this was prepared. This place was prepared for the devil and his angels. And so don't let him lie to you. He only wants to destroy you as he himself is going to face judgment. Look at verse 7. God speaking now through the prophet says, why should I forgive you? Your children have forsaken me and sworn by gods that are not gods. I supplied all their needs, yet they committed adultery and thronged to the houses of prostitutes. Are you all ready for some PG-13 language from the Bible? They are well-fed, lusty stallions, each neighing for another man's wife, their tricks and hoes they're nasty, they're ratchet, they're dirty. Are you listening? Should I not punish them for this, declares the Lord? Should I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? We look to the Bible and we see clearly that they were whoring themselves. They were cheating on God with other nations and they were thinking they were going to get away with it. Here in our own generation, we have people like Charlemagne, the false god, calling himself a god. We have now people worshiping their ancestors and even worshiping those who are dying in the, you know in the modern age. You know, through the hands of the police, the BLM is worshiping these these own people, their ancestors, conjuring up their spirits. And yet, were they not these folks, these young people? Were they not the majority of them raised in a nation that fed them well? Were they not raised in a nation where they were given the opportunity for education? Were they the ones, my friend, were they the ones carrying the buckets on their head a mile to the well and a mile back even though the water itself was still disease infested? No, our children had water coming out of a faucet. They had enough food to eat to become obese. If we just gave what we overate, we could feed the nations. If we just gave what we then spent on trying to lose what we overnate, we could feed them again. We spend so much money on our food and our gluttony that we have to spend more money to lose it. Are you listening to me? He said, I supplied all their needs. They, they lacked nothing. They could go to, to school. They could get something to eat. They, they could walk down the street and be safe. And yet, what did they do with all of their blessings? they became hoarse. They became like wild animals in heat and said, it's not enough for me to be with God as a spouse. I now need to cheat on God and have more sexual pleasures with other mentalities, other worldviews, other religions. And God asks the question to us, because remember, any moral dilemma, any moral situation you and I find ourselves in, we always have to step back and ask the presupposition, why do we even have a moral dilemma? So people ask the question, well, why does God allow evil? And then they'll just, you know, just become all sophisticated. If I was God, I would rid the world of evil. There would be no evil. Well, then if you were God, you would have to destroy yourself because you're evil, But you see, they think that they're going to now sit on the lap of God and slap him because they don't understand that to even have a moral dilemma, they must be made in the image of God to be able to contain thoughts about morality. Why aren't you an animal? Do you think the the animal who is eating the other animals today is asking, why is the world so evil? No, he's just living on the chemicals in his brain, eating the other chemicals of that animal he just killed, and he is happy, and if it happened to be his own young one, he's eating his own or her young. You can look it up right now. Lions eat their young, et cetera. And so when we come to this moral dilemma, should not God judge us? We have to first say, well, God gave us an ability to decide right from wrong. We should know this. But yet, then, when we say, "Yeah, you should judge us," Jeremiah is basically the one being asked this question. He's saying, uh, "Yes, I think you should." If he says that, in other words, he's saying, "God, you're going to destroy my neighbors. You're going to destroy the butcher." The, you know, the, the candlestick maker, you're going to destroy the one who gives me milk and the one who helps give me light for my house. Lord, if I agree to the moral standard that I know in my conscience is right, a lot of people that I know and love are going to die. And so we think to ourselves, should not God judge Chicago? Well, if he judges Chicago, who's getting judged? Your barber. Come on. My neighbor. I mean, we're going to watch judgment come on a nation, and we're going to see people that we like and love suffer. But is that part of what God has to do for his own namesake? Yes, because this is God's earth. Sometimes you talk to people, and what they're basically saying is, I want to be my own God, create my own earth, have my own rules. And what does God basically say back to them? Here's some dirt, start and go for it. But once... A philosopher heard that. He said, no, God does one even better. He says, create the dirt out of nothing, then go for it. (laughs) See, not only can we not take the materials here and make our own universe, not only can we not defeat death and all of these other things that torment us as humans and we think God has somehow did us wrong, not only can we not fix it with what we have, we can't start from nothing and create something. How dare we? How dare we question God's righteousness in all of this? We need to humble ourselves. Verse 10 says, go through her vineyards. He's now talking to the one that's going to judge the nation. God is speaking. Go through her vineyards. Ravage them, but do not destroy them completely. Strip off her branches, for these people do not belong to the Lord. God is saying, they don't belong to me, but don't destroy them entirely. I want a remnant to remain, and thank God there's still a remnant of Israel today. The people of Israel and the people of Judah have been utterly unfaithful to me, declares the Lord. The prophet now speaking, they have lied about the Lord. They said, This is what the people said, He will do nothing. No harm will come to us. We will never see sword or famine. Isn't that what your yoga instructor is telling you right now? Everything's going to be fine. Just wear the mask. It's going to go back to normal. Everything's okay. Don't listen to those Christians over there. Isn't that what your counselor says? Isn't that what your coworker says? God's not going to do anything. No harm will come to us. We will never, we will never see the sword or famine. We're Americans. The prophets, this is what they say about Jeremiah and his friends, the real prophets. They say the prophets are but wind. Pastor Joe is just passing wind through his mouth, a bunch of hot breath. And the word is not in them, so let what they say be done to them. You see, they think that we're bringing this upon ourselves, that we're saying all this bad stuff, so just just let it happen to you guys. You guys get COVID and die, whatever. This is God's judgment. You guys suffer. You guys suffer. I'm not going to suffer. They say the boating industry did better this year than any of the other years. People had all of this expendable income. Sounds just like the days of Noah, doesn't it? Eating and drinking and giving and marriage. Everybody just wants to just to get over this little hump. Don't see it as anything major, you know. And, and, you know, communism or socialism will just help us keep going. We'll be a better nation with this. And all of this is a lie to what God has already said. And yet when we speak against it, when we say, no, 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 this is not right, they say, well, you guys are the crazy ones. Let's keep going. Verse 14, therefore, this is what the Lord God Almighty says. Because the people have spoken these words, what you just heard above, he says to Jeremiah, I will make my words in your mouth a fire and these people the wood it consumes. If you want to know why some of your friends can't even sit in this preaching, they say it's too intense for them because they get burned up by the heat of the Word of God. If you want to know why they can't even stand and listen to us half the time, if you want to know they have to keep on walking when we're on the streets preaching, or they can talk about anything with you at the coffee talk or at the coffee table, whatever. but the moment you bring up Jesus, they can't do it. It's because they are wood to the fire that God is speaking through you. This is what the Bible says. Your words will become like fire, heat. Woo! I'm telling you, man, I've had people come from my my old life, and they have sat here, and it's good to hear it from somebody who who knew me back then. It can give me perspective. And I'm telling you, they have said to me, Joe, I want to tell you two things. Number one, I've never understood a preacher more than I've understood you. I clearly, clearly understood from start to finish what you were saying. And number two, I've never been more offended, more upset than I have at a sermon than I have ever been sitting here listening to you because i don't come up here with some lofty words after some scripture reading like your father tom says and then be a nice person and take care of puppies and walk old ladies across the street no we get up in your business we get to your itunes spotify playlist we get to your movies and your entertainment and to what you did last night are you listening we make it we make it right amen we make sure it's it's tight but it's right And so you wonder why. You wonder why we're living in a world right now where people are so agitated by what we're saying. It's because you are putting heat to them. He says, people of Israel. That's what it's going to be like. I'm going to put my words in Jeremiah. Set him on fire and start burning up everything that's around. I have other references to this. As a matter of fact, because there are some new folks here, quickly turn to Jeremiah 23 Verse 25, I want to speak to some of the new folks. How many believe in prophetic words that God can speak to the future and reveal his heart? My mother was a godly woman, still is, but was while I was unsaved. And during that time, God gave her this word about me. This is a word that predates my salvation. This is what God spoke to my mom Let the prophet, verse 28, we'll just go right to the end. I wish I could read it all, but if you want to see what God was speaking about your pastor before he was even saved, here it is. Verse 28, let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. It was a twofold word to my mother. Number one, God was telling my mother, I am stronger than Joe's rebellion. I can break his heart into a million pieces. I can burn every sinful thing out of his heart. Do not worry. Do not fret. I'm in control. God encouraged my mom that way. Hallelujah. But also on top of that, everybody get this. That was a word for what I would be as a Christian. That then I would become the very thing that I once needed. I would now become that for others. That I would become fire by God's hand and a hammer to break rocks and pieces. So if you, come on, everybody listen to me. So if you ever feel that you need to temper me down, my mama's got something to say about that. My mama doesn't want me to temper down. My mama says, no, I knew him November 4th, 1995, and I knew what he was like. But November 5th, 1995, I saw God break his heart in pieces and set him on fire and then give him a hammer and then give him fire. And so keep preaching, son. Keep preaching. And when you come to this church and you feel that heat or you feel that hammer coming down, you just need to say amen. Keep preaching, preacher. Preacher. Because that's the word on this house. That's the word here. I can't speak about over there, but that's the word here. And I'm telling you, after over 20 years of ministry, I have never seen it be more true than right now. I'm talking right now. That's happening right now. I never knew what I would be like in front of TV, you know, interviewers. I never knew what I would be like, uh, how I would respond to the mayor retweeting us and all those kinds of things. I never knew what it would be like for me to stand in front of protesters here in front of the church. Are you listening? And police in riot gear as they're threatening to burn it down. But I knew God put a fire in here. And what they gave, what God gave, they can't take away. And there's still power today. And so I speak that over this congregation. May what has come upon us as, as a church come upon you. May you be one with this word. May you be on fire for Jesus. Amen. Let's go back to the notes. Jeremiah chapter 5. He said, I'm going to set you on fire. I am bringing a distant nation against you. This is where the judgments come in nation, ancient and enduring nation Babylon. A people whose language you do not know, a speech you do not understand. Their quivers are like an open grave. All of them are mighty warriors. They will devour your harvests and food, devour your sons and your daughters. You want to know how, come on, everybody, listen. I, I say this often when I talk about this, but we got to put it in context. You want to know how Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up where they were? Because of their parents' sin. Could you imagine my sons? Titus and Lucas being in Beijing, China, 10 years from now being told to worship the emperor and the image that he has made. That's what we're talking about, friends. They will devour you. They'll take your sons and your daughters But look at verse 18. Oh, I'll finish this off. It says, they will take your sons and daughters. They'll devour your flocks and herds. They'll devour your vines and your fig trees with the sword. They will destroy the fortified cities in which you trust. God, save America. Give us revival. Don't let this happen, O Lord. Verse 18, yet even in those days, declares the Lord, I will not destroy you completely. And when the people ask, why has the Lord our God done all this to us? You tell them. Now watch how sassy God gets right here. you got to get this because this is where truth and knowledge comes from. So after this has happened and now people are growing up kind of like that's their new normal. They didn't know why and they, they don't know what it was like before that, before they were in bondage to Babylon. When people rise up and ask you, why did this happen? This is what you're to tell them. As you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your own land, now you will serve the foreigners in a land not your own. You were tricking and prostituting and being wicked in your own land. Now I'm going to judge you in that land over there and you're going to be punished. The ultimatum comes to pass. They've made the wrong choice. Verse 20, announce this to the descendants of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people. And can I say this In in a modern version? Hear this, you stupid and ignorant people. You can even find that in English translations. Hear this, you stupid and ignorant people. Hear this, who have eyes but do not see and ears but do not hear. Should you not fear me? Or in the the right English for us to give it to them, should you not fear God? Are we not uh, supposed to speak to this generation and say, you stupid and ignorant people, why are you not fearing God? I was talking to two uh, young people Monday as I was preaching, and they believed in evolution to go through the zoo to you. You know, they came from the animals, that their great ancestor was, uh, was a monkey, and the, and the monkey's great ancestor was a rock that had some rain and lightning in it, okay? So I say, it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that God made you in his image, okay? But listen, I then said to them, you have all of these scientific explanations that to you relieve the burden of there being a creator. I said, but you know better than that. You know in your conscience that you are not just an animal with a little bit more of mental chemicals going on. You know that there is something more to life than this. Otherwise, why not just eat, drink, and be happy? You know, why not just be naked? Why are you going to school? Why are you wearing clothes? Why aren't you breaking the law? You know, this this idea that you're you're somehow finding purpose in life, meaning in life, in relationships. You know, why not steal from him and eat more food? You know, this kind of thing, they, they couldn't see the reality of where those beliefs came from. But they were ingrained in them, the Bible says, in their conscience. And yet they're suppressing it they're suppressing it. And that's why the Bible says they are stupid. They are stupid. See, in the Bible, a stupid person, a foolish person, is not a person who doesn't know something. So take, for example, if you handed me calculus and you said, figure it out, and I go, I can't figure it out, it would be inappropriate for you to call me stupid because I've never learned calculus. Are you, are you tracking with me here? But you see, if you ask me, to, you know, say 2 plus 2 is, uh, you know, to learn 2 plus 2 is 4, and you taught this to me, and then I don't want to learn it. It's not just I can't learn it. I don't want to learn it. And then I tell you, I don't believe it's four. I think it's five. And then you go through the whole entire thing. You bring out apples, and you're explaining it. You're teaching me how to you know, to count again. And once again, we're not talking about something that's wrong mentally with me, but I am literally telling you out of my own free will, I don't believe it. I don't want to. That's stupid. Does everybody get it? When you are teaching people the gospel, when you are teaching them and you're answering questions and you're being gentle with them, that's that's what we're supposed to be and we're supposed to explain it to them. And if they don't get it and there's a process, we totally understand that. But there are people who have looked at the truth. They have looked at the facts. They have looked at the same thing you and I have looked at. And they are willfully ignoring those things. They are willfully being disobedient. The Bible says, hear this, you stupid and ignorant people. People, you should fear God. Should you not tremble in my presence? I made the sand a boundary for the sea, an everlasting barrier. It cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they can't prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. But these people have become stubborn and have rebellious hearts. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say to themselves. They don't say. They're not saying today. They're not saying, let us fear the Lord who gives us the autumn and spring rains. How many happy for some of the autumn rains, even though the sun goes away a little bit? But how many are glad the harvest is coming, food is coming? Because it doesn't come from Aldi's. You know that, right? It has to come from the ground. And I'm thankful for But they don't stop. They're not stopping today at the lake. They're not stopping today at their brunch with their mimosas and saying, let's fear God. Let's be thankful for the autumn and spring rains who assures us of regular weeks of harvest. Your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good. Because of that, they're ignorant. They're stupid. Their sins have made them dumb. They no longer use their mind and their God given conscience. Verse 26, coming to the close. Somebody says, Time to end it. Come on. Among my people. Are the wicked who lie in wait like men who snare birds and like those who set up traps to catch people? Like cages full of birds, their houses are full of deceit. They have become rich and powerful and have grown fat and sleek. Their deeds, their evil deeds, have no limit. They do not seek justice, see biblical justice. They do not promote the case of the fatherless. They do not defend the just cause of the poor. Should I not punish them for this, declares the Lord? Should I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? You look at all the abortion rates. Those are fatherless children because a father would never let their child be murdered. You look at all what's going on in the poor and in the inner city. And everybody says, I have an answer. I have an answer. And yet God is standing back going, when do I give my answer? It's not more police. It's not better politicians. It's the fear of God in the land again. It's the fear of God because this brother will tell you from Africa that there's black-on-black crime happening in his own nation, that there's black corruption to the black poor, that the skin color doesn't matter, but it's the evil of a person's heart that will oppress the person of the same color, enslave the person of the same color. In Libya, they're trafficking their own people just like we do here in this country. It's not the color. It's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue where we do the right thing by the right standards for righteousness' sakes and go down to the end here it is in closing here it is vinny would you come please a horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land and this has happened in our country while this is all going on who's supposed to be the ones doing the right thing come on us and in those days it was the prophets and the priests Okay, you know, the president may be crazy, the governor may be going to jail, uh, some of the police may be corrupt, uh, teachers may be perverts, okay, it's, you know, business people are greedy, neighbors are being mean, but let's go to the house of God, let's go to the prophets. Let's go to the priest. They'll set it all right. They'll they'll tell the police officer how to do it in justice. They'll tell the governor how to lead in fairness. The priest and the prophet will set the the teacher right. The priest and the prophet will make sure that the unborn children are born, right? The the priest and the prophet, they're going to do what's right. Let's go to the house of God. Let's go to where the leaders are. But Jeremiah said now, he said, a horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. The prophets and the uh, the prophet's Prophesy lies, and the priests rule by their own authority. And now watch this. Instead of the people being grieved and then going, dear God, even our own leaders, our pastors, our elders, our deacons have fallen away from God. Instead of them being grieved, the Bible says, and my people love it this way. They love it when their pastors are backslidden just like them. They love it when the leaders are just as sinful as they are. They love it when they go to the house of God and feel no conviction because their pastor would have to sit down with his conviction or her conviction. They love it that there's no preaching of the word that penetrates the heart because they want to stay hidden in their own sin. My people love it this way, but what will you do in the end? I wish we could end with rejoicing, but I think it's going to be more fitting to end with mourning. Because we have to be broken for this nation. And if you understand how God moves through authority, the fault, first and foremost, is to the people of God and to our leadership in the church. I am so broken that we do not care anymore about what the priests and prophets are doing or saying. I'm being very honest with you guys that I am a student of the word and I have listened to sermons after sermons. I, sometimes a week can go by, I can listen to three to 10 sermons, 20 sermons. I'll listen to teachings and all of these things. I'll read articles. I'm just a student of the word. But as of recently, I've been so discouraged by what's coming forth from the pulpits. I remember one time I was watching a live service because you know they're all online now, right? And I was watching a live service and I literally said to my wife, I feel that there is no God in that place. I said to my wife, I said, it feels as I'm interacting with this service as if I was watching a Tony Robbins motivational seminar. There is no presence of the Lord. There is no fear of God. There is no honor for the commands of God. And you know that people love it that way. Because if God actually came to the service, we would feel convicted. Don't many of you feel convicted? I mean, don't many of you even feel grieved, too, if you're not in the sin personally? You feel greed for your neighbor? You feel greed for your your co-worker? There's a heaviness in in, in this meeting right now because we feel bad for our nation. We don't want our nation to suffer the wrath of God. That our heart is, is broken for the people. This is not the way God wants it to end. He always said to his people, I don't want to bring judgment. I don't want to uh, uh, bring this punishment to you. And so the question I want to ask you, do you want America to end in revival or in judgment? Do you want your life to end in revival, going glory to glory to glory, and then you go home to heaven, glory, and you see him in his presence? Or do you want it to end with judgment? Don't let your latter days be colder than your your former days. I've had people literally walk away from this church and say, I'm not on fire like that, Joe, anymore. I just need to go back to a normal church I'm, t- I'm telling you, people you know, Vanessa, people you know in love, people that if we stopped and thought about it, we would weep right now because they said, I can't be on the front lines anymore. I just got to go online to church. I can't be here on the front lines anymore because the cost is too much. They might find out where I live. They might dox me. They might. My friends might reject me and I with tears in my eyes was speaking to them and I was saying to them then what are we saying to the community what are we saying to our children what are we saying to the world that a little bit of threats a little bit of sickness whatever, we just fold up and back down we just give up now that we say that everything we put on the board or everything we preached about and put in scripture we are now saying that's for somebody else that's not for me God have mercy. God have mercy. I want what the Methodists had, but we got to do what the Methodists did. They traveled from town to town preaching. I want what YMCA had, but we got to be generous like YMCA was. If we want youth programs, somebody's got to donate a hundred thousand today to go put one up. I want what Salvation Army had. But then we got to do what Salvation Army did. we got to go out to those streets even if they mock us and ridicule us. There's a team going out tonight if you want to go. And Sorrow Spurgeon said it like this. It's always the way of cowards to call the bold mean-spirited. Don't you be discouraged because they call you mean or too radical. That's always what the lukewarm and the backsliders say. They're convicted they're not out there doing it. Yesterday we were at the west side by God's grace preaching and handing out pizzas. And do you know not one of those Black Lives Matter people were out there? Not one of those white liberals were out there to shame us for our Christian beliefs. We were thanked over and over and over again by the black community because the black community knows that people have come and gone, come and gone with all of those fake promises. But it's the church, it's the Christians that will be there when all hell breaks loose. It's the Christians, the Christ followers that still come back around. And as we stood out there red, yellow, black, and white, we preached and we made friends and saw souls saved and disciples made. You would be so proud of your church. But you got to decide, how is this ending for you? How is, how is this ending? What does the end of the movie look like for you? Oh, for me and for you know my family, I want to be a priest and a prophet. I want to be a radical person that's speaking the word of the Lord. I want to go out in glory. I, I don't want to just, I just don't want to burn out a lightly like a candle in the background that nobody's paying attention to that you hide under a bushel. Well, I'm still saved, Pastor. I still got a candle. Yeah, but you're hiding it under a bushel. When was the last time you stood on a corner and preached the gospel? When was the last time you went in front of an abortion clinic to stop the slaughter of unborn children? When was the last time you took out a co-worker and told him about Christ? When was the last time you took a mission trip or got out of your own neighborhood and when told others about Jesus? When was the last time you gave sacrificially to the work of God? When was the last time you laid your life down for Jesus and said, this is how I want it to end. To God be the glory. May the Lamb that was slain receive the reward of His sufferings. Help us, Jesus. Can we close in prayer? Just in your own words, would you talk to Jesus before we dismiss? We'll have a time of altar workers and a closing time for you to pray and receive personal ministry if there's anything going on in your life but right now would you make sure that you're saved and if you're not would you repent of any sin that came into your life this week or in your past and just say forgive me Lord I want to get rid of all backslidings I know God that I did those things against you forgive me if you've never known Jesus as the Lord of your life confess him say I believe you died you were buried rose again you're my Lord today For those of us here who are already Christians, ask the Lord to search your heart and say, God, tell me how this is going to end. Because if there's any wicked way in me, expose it, get it out. Get it out, Jesus. I don't want something that's growing up as a little root right now to choke out the fruit, God. I don't want to lose what I've worked my life for, God. I don't want to run in vain, Jesus. I just don't want to beat the air, oh Lord. I don't want to have preached to others and then myself be lost. When you think you stand, take heed, lest you fall. A few moments. Lord, look at all of our hearts, God. Look at all of our hearts, God. We want to end and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Even if, like Jeremiah, they throw us in a pit. They get so tired of us preaching, they they throw us away. They exile us, even if they reject us, oh God. Even if they confiscate our property, Jesus. Even if, God, they ridicule us and mock us publicly like the mayor did for this church, God. Oh, Lord, we won't turn our backs on you. Give us strength, oh God. Give us strength, oh God. Make our weak hearts strong and brave. Is there anybody here that needs the Holy Ghost power to make your weak heart strong and brave? Just ask the Lord say, Lord, make me brave. I heard a testimony about two Iranian girls who were a part of that revival there. They got arrested for sharing Bibles and tracts to the, the people at the marketplace. They said when they were getting interrogated, their mouths were shaking, their knees were shaking, but a boldness would come through them, and they couldn't deny Christ. God, give us that same kind of boldness, even unto death, O oh God, that we will stand and be counted. We won't be ashamed. Would you stand with me now? Altar workers and band, come. We've been singing this quite often during this time, but I think we need to go back to it. All to Jesus, I surrender. As we get ready to bring in the second service, please don't feel that you have to be in a hurry. These altar times are for you to be ministered to. For any need in your life, whether it was related to the sermon or not, we do love you. and for those who hear us talk about these hot topics know that we're patient and kind and loving we won't call you stupid or ignorant just learn the gospel with us then if that's all you, you know where to start is just learning about Jesus start doing that and I promise you you'll come to the same conclusions that we came to but if you are rebellious if you are making a, a stand against the things of God I have to tell you you're being stupid and foolish and you will meet him on judgment day We're going to close out singing this song. If you need any kind of personal ministry, whatever is comfortable for you during this time, feel free to come up. We'll dismiss after this song. But can we all surrender our lives to Jesus today? Can we make this afresh and anew? That God, I'm your man, I'm your woman, I'm your young person that you can use as a prophet. Make my words like fire, oh God. Use us, God, for your glory to be missionaries to this nation. Amen.